0: Is that a splinter in your neck, or are you just happy to see me? I'm Torrin Atkinson.
1: It might be dangerous, but I can think of 15 billion reasons to be a chariot racer. I'm Joe Fulgham.
2: Oh, we're going to go out there, we're going to give 110%, we're going to do our best. No one needs to get hurt, right guys? Right? I'm Kevin Leeson, and this is Caustic Soda. All right, sports injuries. Anybody have a a personal sports injury story?
1: I am, like, remarkably uninjured. I've never broken uh, an arm or leg anyway, sports or no.
0: Dungeons & Dragons is a sport, right? (laughs) Do you have injuries from that? One time my wrist got sore from rolling critical hits so much. (laughs) Uh, I have a, uh, I got a really
2: good concussion in a rugby game once where I no longer knew who I was or where I was.
1: Oh, wow. I got yeah. knocked out on the water slides once cause I'm an idiot. Okay. <laughs> that's less sport. That's less sports though. Well, I was standing I think, up on them. That's kind of sporty. Yeah. I think for this episode, we're going to, uh, I
2: want to focus on organized sports.
1: Okay. Uh, okay.
2: Like, you know, um, team sport or individual sport, but like something that's something, generally recognized. Something as that would
1: that people would point a camera at yeah. and then show other people as a sport. Exactly. But right. not boat or car racing. Yeah, we're
2: going to save that for our automotive sports nice. Uh, okay. episode. Nice. Okay. And uh, I know that. Probably every one of our listeners out there will have their own personal Mm -hmm. favorite anecdote. Oh, you should have seen this guy on my favorite team get totally creamed or break his ankle or whatever. But Mm -hmm. once
0: you've seen one football player break his tibia, yeah, or or, or or one soccer
2: player get, uh, you've seen them all with a shattered ankle. There's there are literally thousands of these photos and videos out there. So we really kind of had to use our editorial. Yeah. Uh, skills? Uh, skills, druthers, if you will. <laughs> druthers. Uh, and, <laughs> and pick the ones
0: that we thought were maybe the most
2: caustic. Right. And, and you, the listener, can decide.
0: If you do respond on com or on our Facebook, please use the word druthers in your response.
2: Injury. The uh, word origin comes from Middle English injury from Anglo-Norman, which has a Latin root inuria, which means a wrong or injustice.
0: I knew Anglo-Norman. Of- <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, he lives right down the street, right? Guy gives me money. Yeah. I think he runs the soup kitchen. The, the phobia of fear of war or physical injury is traumatophobia. Sure, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh-huh. From uh, the Greek traumato. What's about
0: the fear of sports?
2: Is there such a thing? I looked up the fear of sports yeah. and there was like one of those ask.com answers yeah, yeah, yeah. and somebody had the pithy reply, sportophobia, sportophobia nice. right? So stupid. I didn't find any mention of like any fancy Latin or Greek derivative that had right. like a sport phobia.
0: So, well, if we knew the origin of the word sport, which is?
1: From dis- Anglo-French, desport, or from Old French, desport, pastime, recreation, pleasure.
0: So from maybe we would say desporteur. De Phobia, dysportophobia. If we go to the old French version, huh. Well, and
2: that's an interesting origin.
0: If by interesting, do you mean not at all?
2: <laughs> yeah, a little bit, not at all yeah. interesting. Yeah, I got that I, in your. I voice. do have a pop quiz though. Which has <laughs> whenever some anybody always, facts. Uh,
0: anyone, whenever anybody says, "Oh, that's interesting," you know that it's not. <laughs> that's interesting not at interesting. All. Yeah. yeah, I use that quite a lot.
2: <laughs> oh, it's even better when you get when you started with like, "Oh, that's interesting." When you have hmm, that interesting, kind of, yeah. Well, I gotta go. Uh, I have a little bit of a pop quiz here for you guys. Oh, okay. Uh, this is a, a estimated number of emergency room injuries from sports oh, in the man. U.S. annually oh, over in, what in period f- of time? In Football country in a single year. This is a, I think this um this the one I got was about ten years
0: old. Okay, this uh, is a calendar year, not a, a calendar sports year. season. No, No, okay. this is a calendar year.
2: Okay. Uh, the uh, do you know what the number one emergency room visit? What the sport was?
1: Football.
0: You'd oh think. no! In America, I would say thought so. I'm going to say soccer or basketball cycling oh. i guess that's a sport bicycling uh 66,000 or now, an activity
1: yeah now this isn't from the, the competitive cycling though this is just from people on their bikes but they could have been training for a competitive could, have, could been. have but what percentage of people on bikes on the roads that are getting injured
2: all right well, are training. let's okay
1: even Other than taking that, even taking
2: cycling out of the equation okay football is still not number 1 wow basketball would be number 1 okay 48,000 emergency room visits. Wow. This, is in America, this is in the United States of America because we don't
0: play basketball in Canada. We do. We do. What's the Vancouver basketball team? A Canadian invented basketball, in fact.
1: We used to have the Vancouver Grizzlies, but oh. they've been transferred out. Yeah. We don't have a professional team here. Uh is are the Raptors still in Toronto? Gay and indeed. Okay. R&D. okay. R&D.
2: And Steve Nash, a good old Victoria boy. You who can... was a two-time MVP of the NBA.
1: You can tell how little I care about basketball.
0: Yeah, I don't really care about it. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs>
1: Taking
2: cycling out of the equation, I have 11 sports here. Oh,
0: Jesus. Are we supposed to rank them or?
2: Uh, no, basketball is number one. Okay. Uh, and as good Canadian kids, where do you think hockey falls?
0: Oh, I'm not a good Canadian kid. I'm <laughs> no. going to say five.
1: Yeah, I think it's around, like it's probably high, but there's probably not a lot of Americans playing it. So five or six, I'm going to say five. I mean, there are a lot of Americans playing it in certain regions. Yeah. But overall, compared overall, to
2: basketball. Compared compared to basketball, basketball compared to hockey to football, rinks. Yeah. Uh,
0: Those would be the regions I would pick. Out
2: of 11, hockey ranks 11th. Oh, Oh, there there you go. Mm -hmm. Dead last. Right right next to curling? Behind tennis. Oh, sure. And one third of the emergency room visits of volleyball, surprisingly enough.
0: Volleyball.
2: Uh, I think, you know what it is? I think hockey players don't want to be labeled pussies, so So don't go to the emergency room. Yeah,
0: there's more of them, but they just don't go
2: reported. that's right. (laughs) It goes unreported. If they lose a tooth, they're like, ah, screw it, right?
1: Don't forget, you're also, like, wearing armor when you're playing Yeah, you got hockey.
2: A, yeah, but, you know, tennis, you, it, there's no contact in tennis. Yeah. And yet they have double the incidence of emergency room visits uh from
1: hockey. And there's not that much ho- contact in most uh, amateur hockey as well. True. It's no. True not, not, not a lot of hard-hitting until you get into the professional leagues.
0: And you know where all the tennis injuries come is from at the end of the game. Someone tries to jump over the net, doesn't clear <laughs> it, falls in their coccyx. Again?
2: <laughs> So I want to talk about the history of sport, because I think there's some really interesting sort of uh, sports injury uh, stuff that's happened in the distant past. Uh, I'd like to start with one of the oldest games that we know of, that we have a record of, uh, called
0: Tlatchly. Oh, the Aztec uh, sport of uh, kicking a ball around that big arena? Well, yeah, pretty much every... Uh, Pre-Columbian people
2: of ancient Mexico played one form of it or another, right? Uh, and typically, actually, it wasn't kicked. They moved the ball forward by hitting it with their hips,
0: right? Right. That's so, right. Like, like, how big a... was this ball? We talked about this on the sa- on the human sacrifice episode. Yeah, actually. The,
2: the ball was like a nine pounds. Yeah, it was, quite... but it was made of rubber. Yeah, so it would bounce. Uh, but yeah, it seemed like a particularly arduous way to advance the ball up the court, right?
1: And, and like, a lot does a lot of rubber come from South America. The rubber tree, I think. I boy, this is something I don't they know. They
0: probably just put little ball-shaped reservoirs at yeah. the bottom of a tree and then stab it. And yeah, then probably. A day later, you have a ball for tilacly or whatever. Yeah. No, I,
1: but if if they're hitting it with their hips, even if it bounces, like what it, when it's on the ground, it's not very tall. Yeah, it's true. There's some way that they can so get it in they, the air, but it was it, it no. They like, hip
0: check it on the ground.
1: It, <laughs> they get down on the ground, and keep hitting it till it goes up. It yeah, seemed yeah. like a particularly difficult way <laughs> yes,
0: to move I a ball agree. forward, right? But when your option is hit, bouncing on the ball with your hip or having your heart torn out, <laughs>
2: well, this is what to a sun gun, true. this is what makes this game interesting from a sports injury perspective. Uh-huh. Was that oftentimes, especially in the later uh, part of the classical. Mesoamerican era Oh yes uh, The game became Sort of intertwined With human sacrifice
0: Intertwined in what way
2: uh, Well They lose <laughs> Goal <laughs> In uh, in some societies And the Aztec In particular
0: I bet you Jeb Card Will have something To say about this Doc uh, Jeb
2: Like at the ball courts For El Tajin And Chichen Itza They have Like uh, carved friezes That show The ball players Perhaps even just The captain Of a losing team
0: Uh-oh. Being decapitated oh Uh oh and then that becomes the ball.
2: Yeah, the skulls of losing team members were often placed on a skull rack next to the field. <laughs> and they keep cores like an abacus <laughs> with skulls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And and their blood was offered to the gods as food of the gods. Man, Brody. I,
1: I uh, want to customize a foosball table now. So the little scorekeeping so, so. chits are little skulls. Do it all
0: Aztec style. But, yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Uh,
2: there were some some of the other societies had sacrifices, but it wasn't uh, a losing versus winning thing. They had um, slaves play the game, right? But they rigged the game in advance oh. so that the slaves were destined to lose oh. and then be sacrificed. They were going to sacrifice them anyway, but yeah. this way they just made them play. Like, Give murder them a ball.
0: Cl- yeah. Sporting chance, yeah, quote exactly, unquote.
2: exactly. Although everybody, but oh, we're gonna spot our team like twenty points, and we get to use our hands and feet. You get use. Can just you imagine that? Hips. Like a
0: great movie, though, the, like the <laughs> underdogs who have everything against them win, yeah. the game.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they would just be like, Ah, screw it, we're gonna kill you anyway.
0: TM that shit. My <laughs> so friend. just
1: just retell the Mighty Ducks, but as as <laughs> <Yeah. yeah. laughs> An Aztec. Aztec, and if they lose, Ping. they're gonna have their hearts pulled out of their. No, chest.
2: this is the sequel to the Replacements. The <laughs> sacrificials. Uh, so I'm jumping forward now to uh, ancient Greece. Okay. Uh, and the Greeks and the Romans were uh, big fans of Greco-Roman wrestling.
0: Naturally, hence the name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, was, there, was there ever any sports injuries?
2: Greco-Roman wrestling back in the ancient was era was done in the nude. It was done in the nude, and it was quite different from what we know. Greco Roman wrestling. There to was be. a lot
0: of erections.
2: Yeah, it really there wasn't nearly so much getting a point from pinning okay. as opposed to beating on your opponent until they no longer <laughs> wanted to continue. Sure. Right? That's it's a form of wrestling.
0: <laughs> it's a good way to determine who wins. Yeah, it's not necessarily how how athletic you are, it's just how much of a badass and how yeah. much, how much pain how, you're willing and your, to, suffer, yeah, your willpower, your
2: willpower, and you're willing to. Some scrawny do it.
0: guy may get the pulp beaten out of him, but yeah. he's like, no
2: well, like, I'm not gonna lose this game. <laughs> just fighting
1: on. Then off, the, guy, yeah.
0: and the guy who's actually winning is just getting gets bored. You're bored and well, or tired.
1: No matter how tough you are, you can go unconscious. And That's You kind true. of give up then. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: like I've
2: got a uh, I've got a quote from a writer named Philostratus to which he recounts that. Uh, uh, if there is not enough bone marrow in the spine vertebra, Uh-oh. the spine can bend easily mm-hmm. and the vertebra can be pressed during the games and sometimes they will dislocate. Certainly. So uh, a particularly devastating le- like drop a guy on his head kind of pile driver move oh, yeah. in do snap your opponent's spine. Oh, that's rude. Uh-huh. Uh huh. As well as in the 6th century, uh, Leon Tiscos from Messina of Sicily was uh, legendary for crushing the fingers of his opponent in the middle of the match. <laughs> That's dirty who, fighting. Who then demanded that the fight be stopped. <laughs> Naturally, so that was uh, that was how he prevailed. He was known as the Vice. And in, in fact, like the severity of wrestling injuries were so great that often uh, wrestlers who you know in their later years were. Were always disabled with twisted and broken and deformed extremities because of the the hard life that they lived up to that
0: point. And oily, oily erections.
1: <laughs> Again with the erections with you. It's Greco-Roman wrestling.
0: What could be more homoerotic than that? I ask you, that, sir.
2: That is pretty homoerotic. That is pretty. Homo- I mean, maybe that's a submission technique too. Is you just <laughs> get an erection, right? Just press it against his back.
1: Yeah. like that. No, maybe you should give up. <laughs> yeah. It would give an advantage to the people who are more open-minded. Put that thing um, away, you'll I, poke my eye out. I don't like it, but you're not freaking me out. So, you know, keep it up. I'll win this fight. <laughs> In the same era, one of
2: the most popular sporting events throughout the Greek and Roman world, chariot racing.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. sure.
2: All right. So basically the auto sport of their time. Yeah, it's it's All right.
1: Greek NASCAR. It's Greek NASCAR. <laughs> I
2: like that. The most exciting part of the chariot race for the spectators mm. were the turns at each end of the hippodrome. Hippodrome. Yeah. I like the name of it too. These turns were very dangerous and often deadly. And if a chariot had not already been knocked over, they might be overturned or crushed by the other chariots as they went around the
0: post.
1: Oh yeah. It De- is like NASCAR.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. exactly like NASCAR.
1: You watch it for the
2: accidents. For the crash. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Deliberately running into an opponent and causing him to crash was technically against the rules, right. but nothing could really be done about it. <laughs> They have rules but no referees. Well, you have no way of stopping this like rampaging right. chariot in the yeah. middle and going, "Wait, wait, don't don't turn that other chariot over." And then once he's done and crushed under tire, it's like, "Oh, what are we going to do about it now?" This
1: is the horrible state of sport before the invention of the whistle.
2: <laughs> like that or the checkered flag even, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, green flag whatever. They cause... just
0: keep going around and around and around and around you know what I've and around and, <laughs> around and around and around and around You're and just... around and around around and around. I've discovered through the uh,
2: research for this is the the thing that we've done in the modern era is attempted to increase the safety of sports. Sporting was a very dangerous prospect back in the ancient era, in the yep. you know uh, the BCE, if you will, Back before uh, penicillin. <laughs> so, on the Roman races, they were a little bit different than the Greek races. The Roman drivers drove with the reins wrapped around their waist instead of holding them in their hands. Ooh. And because of this, the Romans could not let go of the reins in the incident of a crash.
0: <laughs>
2: so if they if they were in fact thrown from their chariot, they would inevitably be dragged around the circus until they were killed or they freed themselves.
0: <laughs> That's a good time.
2: Uh, which is why they all carried on their hips <laughs> yeah, a little curved say, blade. Yeah, I was going right. to say. A little curved blade called a falx, <laughs> and they would your use yeah. to escape cut themselves. Hatch, yeah. free. But he almost like you could be dragged to death or you yeah. could be cut yourself free and then be run over by yeah. another chariot.
1: While you're holding a tiny knife. <laughs> While you're holding a tiny knife. <laughs> <right> Tumbling <on. laughs> along the ground, holding a knife in your hand. I Trying
2: mean, to cut these leather reins. You
1: talk about running with scissors. Don't get dragged by a chariot with a knife. Like, <laughs> what run, was the name of that knife? <laughs> the Falx.
2: F-A-L-X. Don't run with your Falx. <laughs> One interesting little word nerd moment here mm-hmm. was whenever a chariot crashed, the, and the horses were incapacitated or the driver was killed, they used the term naufragia, which was also a uh, Latin synonymous for shipwreck. So a chariot crash and a shipwreck, they used the same word.
0: I thought they were going to call it a hippo. Sedent. sedent. <laughs> <Hippocident. laughs>
2: because chariot races were so popular, successful drivers were like rock stars. They oh yeah. Would, like become
0: really famous throughout yeah. the empire. Get all the sponsorships on their chariots. <laughs> well.
2: So. Anything that you have where the life expectancy, Logos. where life expectancy is like incredibly short, it like it amps kind of that rock yeah. star element yeah. to you know maximum effect, right? There was one gentleman named Scorpus, <laughs> nice. awesome name by the yeah. way. Yeah, Scorpus. He does sound like a He-Man villain, doesn't he? Uh, Scorpus, <laughs> Scorpus.
0: Look out, He-Man.
1: Does Scorpus always win from behind. Shing. <laughs>
2: nice. Uh, for those who's listening, you didn't see Joe do the arm as if it's the scorpion tail the over scorpion his head. Tail yeah. From behind. Scorpus won over 2000 races before being killed in a collision at 27 years old. So, wow. He won 2000 races before his 28th birthday.
1: He only had a 0.1% fatality rate. <laughs> .05%. <laughs> well, you think about it.
2: Like say he even started racing at like 16. Yeah. That's like 12 years of racing and Math he won 2000 races. He's winning 20 races a year. And he's racing twice a month. Ask Dr. Math. Like this is crazy. Right? How many like, how many how many races is he doing anyway? Those are the races that he's won 2000. He probably raced in like at least the same amount of races that he didn't win. So he's racing like four times a month for 13 right. years. That's oh, mm-hmm. assuming he started racing when he was like 15. Yeah. I mean, maybe he didn't start racing until he was 18. He did it in ten years. And he's doing like six races a month. Like it's nuts. Like he's he's racing more than a
0: baseball player. <laughs> I could do four times a month. Oh, really? <laughs> My schedule will
2: allow that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, we keep it on Sundays, just like recording the yeah, podcast, there you go. right? Uh, podcast, chariot racing,
1: podcast, Someday in the racing. future, people are going to be like, and these caustic soda guys would record two shows a, a Sunday, twice of what month? It's crazy. Can you believe it? They would actually, they would actually leave their homes and go record. The past was bizarre. But
2: as successful as Scorpus was, the
1: most famous of all
2: the chariot races was a guy named Gaius Apuleius Diocles. Oh, That's the a nice sword
0: name. of Diocles. <laughs> hangs over your Always hanging over my chariot.
2: Uh, He won 1,462 out of a total 4,257 races. Hmm. So not a good, like you'd think. That's like 10%? No,
0: 1,400
2: to 4,200. That's like uh, 33%. Oh, sorry. But Diocles actually lived to a retirement age of 42. Hmm. He raced until he was 42 years old. He knew how to roll. (laughs) Or cut himself free so he didn't roll underneath another chariot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after a 24 oh, so career, also the inventor
0: of the quick release.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Like, didn't these guys learn slip knots? Like, let really ty- <laughs> Can they have, like figured that that part of the
1: equation out? This is before knot technology had really hit its heyday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess they had the Gordian
2: knot fable to you know guide themselves by, right? And that was just cut it. It's good enough for Alexander. It's good enough for me. Uh, um, so, Gaius Diocles had a 24 year career. So he started when he was 18, and okay. and, and raced until he was 42. His total winnings were reportedly thirty-five million eight hundred sixty-three thousand sesterces,
0: mm-hmm. uh, you, as we learned from uh, Asterix uh, uh, comic absolutely, books. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. Do you uh, translate it into today dollars? Anybody want to hazard a guess what that totals to? <sighs> this is thirty-five a- million sesterces. Right. Comes to how much money in today's U.S. dollars?
1: Isn't it's like billions, isn't it? I think I remember hearing that this guy is the technically the richest sports star in history. history. Correct, fifteen billion dollars
2: of lifetime earnings. Fifteen billion.
1: At what point? At what point in your life do you hit, say say you hit your first million the hell do you or first, that your first on? billion equivalent, right? Yeah. You hit yeah. your billion in this incredibly dangerous sport yeah. and you think, ah, I'm going to keep going until I hit 15 Couldn't billion.
0: Couldn't he have like bought Rome at that point? <laughs> I, Just about. Yeah, yeah, probably. She's probably worried that,
2: you know, he kept racing to keep the emperor from like killing him yeah, and no taking kidding. all of his money, right? Because so that was sort of like the kind of thing Nero well, seemed like he might do. Right? Make
1: your second billion and then give it to the emperor. Oh, yeah. And then you have a billion and then he has a billion. And you can stop racing. I don't think he was in it for the money. This I guess sounds not. like
2: an adrenaline junkie thing. This sounds like yeah. he's doing it for the love of and the sport. I'm,
1: and I'm sure the ladies loved the chariot racers.
2: Oh, there's oh, no doubt about yeah. it. If they didn't love the chariot racers, they loved the fact that he could buy as many slave girls as he wanted.
0: Yeah. And if they didn't like the races, they liked the horses.
2: <laughs> that's that's all my classical era stuff. I'm oh, jumping okay. forward in history to uh, medieval England. There was a, uh, there a was game. There was a Ball. There's. Yeah, and cow poo ball, and a <laughs> uh, goat poo ball, and uh, yet, and yet dark again, dark age tennis. Yet again, this was that's what you did with your eyes closed. Yet again, this was this was just sport was incredibly violent all the way through like human history. Like even even sports that don't seem like naturally gravitate towards violence, they were freaking violent. Mm-hmm. There was a game in uh, in France called uh, La Soule or La Choule and it was a um it was a ball game that they would play after church services on sundays or other religious holidays and in 1283 there's a public record of this game it's the only reference to the game in written record and the reason it came up is because a man named Roger was accused of striking a fellow in a game with a stone and the blow proved to be fatal so mm-hmm. he was in court over it okay and that's how come we know that they were playing this game all the way back in 1283 oh because uh, of the court
0: record, yeah, I see, yeah,
2: because uh, yeah, he not played. because
0: of the sports magazines.
2: No, no there was no Sports Illustrated uh, Dark Ages.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Although if one of our listeners wants to do up a mock front page for Dark Age Sports Illustrated, I would like to see that. <laughs> Could just be just a black.
2: <laughs> uh, but can you imagine, like playing a sport where one of the players thought it was a good idea to pick up a rock and crack you over the head with it to get possession of the ball?
0: It's happened. <laughs> yeah. I don't
2: know. I've seen guys elbow guys. I guess that's true. As well, playing the same sport. This was one of these, a mob sport, they called it, where there really weren't any number of players that were sort of delineated. Well, what would happen is like parishes would play against parishes. Oh, uh, okay. And so whoever, however number of people Thanks. showed up that week, right. that's who would, the number of players would be. Uh, so they're, interesting. So they're, in 1841, uh, at Belu en Ulm. There is a record of a game that had 800 contestants and up to 6,000 spectators to come out and watch the game. Wow. The ball was three feet around and weighed 13 pounds. Holy shit. (laughs) Three feet around. (laughs) Yeah. Three feet is like. No,
0: not three feet.
2: No, three feet. That's, feet That's one foot but around it's probably three feet in circumference. Yeah. Right. Not in. Oh, I see. Diameter. It, it weighed 13 pounds. So it was kind of like a medicine ball. Okay. Right?
0: Yeah. And. And with spikes.
2: On and it. <laughs> here's the, it was obviously not easy to make. And son, you're playing Warhammer fantasy. <laughs> Out of spite, the losing side would often take the opposing team's ball and cut it in half. That's poor sportsmanship. It is poor sportsmanship. But to actually counteract this particular thing? Just to make them out of solid gold. <laughs> Not that far off, actually. They would sheathe it in tin. Okay. But then I think to myself, well, that doesn't make it so fun to play with anymore, <laughs> is it? These balls, would like, because their metallurgy probably wasn't that great. It's probably got all these jagged edges and whatnot. Oh. God, I would like to
0: avoid church just to not play this game after church service. I wonder if there's any uh, soul balls in any museums anywhere.
2: So we've got an actual image uh, from like a woodcutting or a, a something like this that actually shows a game of Sewell being played, and they're all in their Sunday best and they're all wearing their top, <laughs> top hats. And, hats and, and there are people lying on the ground screaming, stepped on. Stepped and on. And
0: there's, there's just a guy laying down, face down. Yeah, and there's another the guy
2: who's actually got a foot on his chest and is screaming in agony, obviously. So it's a uh, it feels like a uh, a game of brutality. <laughs> it's a
1: riot centered around a ball.
2: That's yeah, what it, it looks like. Feels like, like That's a what it uh, That's what it is. And this is basically an organized Donnybrook. This 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 kind of thing happened all over Europe, all the way through this this same era, in the UK and in Ireland and Scotland. They all had sort of like similar games, football games. Uh, in Ireland, the first recorded mention of football was in 1308 when John McCrocken, a spectator at a game in Newcastle, County Down, was charged with accidentally stabbing a player named William Bernard.
0: And I'm how not is, I'm how sure
2: this? how you accidentally stabbed. Well, somebody. I fell down
0: the bleachers and then rolled onto the <laughs> yeah. field. Well, I had and I stepped ni- on my dagger that I, I had my knife always in keep my in my, my pocket. And
2: I was thrusting it forward <laughs> at random. And he just if got he in the way. he gets in the way, that's, <laughs> that's not right. my fault. That's right. It just... Uh, they, that's why they call me Thrusty Macaulay. I'm just
0: going to practice my dagger swishes and start walking in a direction.
2: <laughs> if somebody gets in my way, so be it, right? In England, the earliest reference to any ball game being played by university students comes in 1303, when Thomas of Salisbury, a student at Oxford, found his brother Adam dead, and it was alleged he was killed by Irish students while playing the ball in High Street towards Eastgate.
0: Did they make a Salisbury steak out of him? <laughs>
2: he's probably tenderized. They probably like ran yeah. over him with a bunch of cleats, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, he's that, that that perforation all the way through. That's him. right. As well in 1321, so only like 18 years later, Pope John the 22nd was actually appealed to, uh, to give a dispensation to William of Spalding. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, during a game, William, as he kicked the ball, a lay friend of his, also called William, ran against him and wounded himself on his sheathed knife so severely that he died within six days. Oh, Jesus. And eh? the Pope uh, forgave him.
0: Sure. Why not?
2: He granted the dispensation as no blame is attached to William de Spaulding, who, feeling deeply the death of his friend and fearing what might be said by his enemies, has applied to the Pope. Okay. So the Pope gave him a get-out-of-jail-free card.
0: All right. Now, is there a connection? Is there a Spaulding connection? Oh, of those sporting goods. I'm wondering. Huh. I'm going to say yes. Okay, accepted. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> yeah. But one of the most interesting,
2: uh, sort of long standing football or ball game traditions in all of the United Kingdom is the Royal Shrove Tide football game. Has anybody else heard of this? Shrove Tide? Yes. No. Because it happens, the, it's called, it was originally called just the Shrove Tide football match. Is that like place names or people names? No, because it happens over Shrove Tuesday and Ash Wednesday. Okay. So Shrove-tide. the religious holiday is one of these things, a church service, church holiday, that they turn into one of these ball games. Okay. So it, it, it goes back into, into It's antiquity. just a community builder. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it happens in Ashbourne in Derbyshire, England. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason that it ga- gained the moniker the Royal Shrovetide Football Game <laughs> is because in 1928, the Prince of Wales, later to become King Edward VIII, showed up to play the game and suffered a bloody nose. I was going to say the, the reason
0: they called it Royal is because they all wear big purple gowns <laughs> and hit each other with scepters. <laughs> Not too far off the mark, actually.
2: What happens is you've got two halves of the town. The the upwards they call themselves, and the downards.
0: Right. I'm just thinking of a baseball or a cricket game, all yeah. done with Royal Scepters. Ah, <laughs> uh, that makes sense. That, awesome. that that's a Monty Python sketch. The Game if I've of ever Kings. Of. Yeah.
2: That's a Monty Python sketch if I've ever heard one, right? So the upwards and the downwards gather in the in the town's what used to be the town square. The starting point has not changed in many years, although the town has changed around it. And as a consequence, the starting podium is currently located in the town's main car park. Oh nice. Yeah. So they all gather in like the local impark lot. Yeah. And uh, there's a uh, there's a goal three miles away on three one miles side. miles away? On one side of town and three miles away on the other side what of town. What the shit. And so what their goal is is to basically one part of the town tries to get it to the other guy's goal and score a goal. Like, and, the, and the other side of town tries to get to their goal and score a goal. The game goes from 2 p.m. till 10 (laughs) p.m. On the first day. How do you know where the ball is? Uh, Well. You follow the riot sounds. Exactly. (laughs) It generally moves through town in a series of what they call hugs. (laughs) (laughs) Which are giant scrums like they do in rugby. Mm -hmm. Made up of dozens, if not hundreds of people. The game is played throughout town with no limit on number of players or playing area. Thus, shops in the town are typically boarded up during the playing <laughs> of the game.
0: And I'm just imagining someone coming out of their window. What's all the noise? The ball <laughs> lands Lends in his hands. lap or his <laughs> open hands and then suddenly, <laughs> Gets mauled. Yeah, Absolutely.
2: And uh, uh, people are encouraged to park their cars far away from the main streets to avoid mm-hmm. damage.
0: Sounds like the ride, the sports ride is built in. So there's not very many rules to the Royal
2: Shrovetide football match. But there are Try a not handful. to burn down the city. Yeah, there are a handful. The first rule that is actually in existence that everyone agrees to. Do
0: not talk about hugs. Uh,
2: committing murder or manslaughter is prohibited. <laughs> you know, in Damn the it. first wow. rule, the first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club. The first rule of the Royal Shrove-ta- Shrovetide football game is don't commit murder or manslaughter.
1: That should be the first rule of any sport, really. Like, (laughs) it it should be so the first rule that you
2: shouldn't need it as a rule. Yeah, that seems like an unspoken rule. That seems like one that we should all just agree to. to Like,
1: like really, you should only need a rule that says murder is okay. Because the default should be the, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, that, that should be when the rule arises, right? Right the ball may not be carried in any motorized vehicle I think that's probably a modern addition sure mm-hmm. right which means probably the only rule up until they mentioned of the cars was do not commit murder or manslaughter
1: see so both of these rules probably ha- weren't in originally yeah and then somebody did it decided to get an advantage by murdering somebody or throwing <laughs> the ball in a car yeah. Yeah. and then they were like okay no we gotta change the rules yeah. no murdering <laughs> and no putting it in cars yes yeah, exactly
0: some guy's driving down the road with a ball and a dead body in his car <laughs> said, all right, listen, you... two new rules.
2: Tell car. There's rule number three that probably, again, didn't originally exist. The ball may not be hidden in a bag, coat, or rucksack.
0: Right. Uh, what about a bale of hay?
2: <laughs> well, cemeteries, churchyards, and town memorial gardens are strictly out of bounds. So any hay that falls outside of those jurisdictions, fine. Okay. Playing after 10 p.m. is absolutely forbidden. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Well, th- otherwise, it's going to be a nighttime riot. Oh, yeah. I guess there's dangers in that, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, the, to score the goal, the ball must be tapped three times to the goal area. So, huh. uh, yeah, I just thought this, this melee that continues every year to this day, it continues. It goes on. It's, it's, it lost in antiquity when it started and do it they, continues to this. they have
0: jerseys?
2: In what fact, is this called? Uh, the Royal Shrovetide Football Game. In fact, Prince Charles attended it one time.
1: All right. So we've got a YouTube video of them running the ball through the river. <laughs> These people are mental. We'll put this up on the site. Yeah.
2: Don't forget to go to the website, causticsodapodcast.com. There are going to be lots of photos and videos for you all to check out. American football.
0: Mm -hmm. Not to be confused with European soccer. Yes, absolutely.
2: Does
1: not have the no murder rule.
2: No. (laughs) And and lots of people have died playing football. I'll tell you that right now.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, American football, basically um, it's origins. They don't have an exact sort of finger on when exactly it started. But uh, when it kind of became organized was actually around a lot of the original Ivy League schools, like Princeton, Yale and Harvard all had uh, ball games that they played, mm-hmm. and they all kind of had their own set of rules. So when you'd play at one right. school, you'd play by their rules, and when they'd play at your school, they'd play by your <laughs> rules. And they were all mob games as well. Like, so very kind of called back to the European games that sort of spawned them. Yeah. Balloon. B A L L O W N was the game they played at Princeton as early as 1820.
0: Balloon! <laughs>
2: A Harvard tradition known as Bloody Monday began in 1827, which consisted of a mass ball game between the freshmen and sophomore classes.
0: Monday, Bloody Monday. Yeah. I love
2: the fact that you stick the freshmen out there and then you have the guys who played last year. It's like, it's like that Monty Python sketch, the, mas- <laughs> the right. Masters, where they're playing against the school children, right? They just get thrown into the deep end and obviously just get mauled. The violence was so egregious in a lot of these games that they were widespread kind of movements to get them banned. Right. And Yale, under pressure from the city of New Haven, actually banned all forms of football in 1860 and Harvard followed suit in 1861. So (laughs) there was a, there was a big kind of popular movement against football games, right?
0: But now they play football, don't they?
2: Well, they do, like, uh, and it, it obviously, it came back at some point in time because in 1894, there was a Harvard-Yale game, which came to be known as the Hampton Park
1: Bloodbath. Uh-oh.
2: Oh, that sounds good. Which resulted in crippling injuries to four players. Okay. Crippling.
1: It's not uh, exactly a bloodbath. Yeah, well, it
2: depends on how much they bled. I mean, maybe their leg actually came off. Yeah. Right?
1: I don't know. My baths need to be a little bigger than that.
2: Uh. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Unless you were one of the four. They probably seemed just about big enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Football, again, was suspended at Harvard until 1897. Uh, The annual Army-Navy football game was suspended from 1894 to 1898 for similar
0: reasons. Sure. Sure, Because
2: Army-Navy, it's actual soldiers who are actually playing. And you're getting like these able-bodied men are being crippled in the course of like playing a Uh, game. We
0: need you guys to fight the enemy, actually. (laughs) Maybe not- So much yourselves. Bloodbath each other. Yeah. There was such
2: a movement against it that a guy named John H. Outland- Awesome name. John
0: H. Outland. Yeah, it
2: sounds like a made-up name. It sounds like a sci-fi made-up name, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. He held an experimental game in Wichita, Kansas that reduced the number of scrimmage plays to earn a first down in an attempt to reduce injuries. Uh The Los Angeles Times reported that the, the increase in punts as a result made the game much safer than regular play, but that the new rule was not, and I quote, conducive to the sport. Mm. Player safety be damned. You got to punt the ball away too many times in the course of a game. That's not the football that I
0: know and love. And then you'd also get uh, Lucy always pulling the ball out at the last minute. (laughs) And then Charlie Brown would go, ah!
2: The situation came to a head in 1905 when there were 19 fatalities nationwide. And President Teddy Roosevelt threatened to actually ban the game if drastic changes were not made. So another rule change introduced in 1906 to devise to open up the game and reduce injury was the introduction of the legal forward pass. So up until that point in time, you weren't allowed to pass the ball forward, right? Right. So now you could have guys running downfield and you would spread the game out and there would be a lot less collisions that would lead to grievous injuries. By 1908, there were still 33 fatalities on the field. I mean, that's probably with the increase of popularity and stuff like that as well, that they're probably playing it more places, but that's still an increase from... The nineteen fatalities in nineteen oh five. So as a result, by nineteen twelve, interlocking formations were finally banned and protective padding was introduced, and that's basically the modern game that we know. Okay. Nineteen twelve. But they were doing these things called the flying wedge, which was pretty much the biggest problem in creating all these injuries and, and but they fatalities. make delicious pizza. <laughs> But what the flying wedge basically was was you'd have the forward line of guys and they would literally lock arms okay. and charge towards the other side, Right. and the defensive side would do the same, and they would collide, and people and would get grievously just injured a... and die. So it's just like a mess.
1: It's like a mirror match of Red Rover. It's, yeah, it's the it's like Red
2: Rover to the extreme. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're not trying blood to blood Red <laughs>
0: Rover.
1: Yeah,
2: and the guy with the ball is like behind the line of charging guys, and so. Basically, after they outlawed this is really what brought the fatalities in football fields to a minimum, right? Sort of like created the modern game that we know. And I have one last thing that I want to bring up from the modern Olympics. 1956, the summer games were in Melbourne, Australia. And a water polo match later became to known
0: as the blood in the water game. Water polo. I forgot about that. <laughs> that was Captain... What's his face on Star Trek Enterprise's favorite game? You'd always watch water polo.
1: I don't know which captain you're talking about. Enterprise. It's been a long road. Oh, Archer. Getting there from there.
0: So there was a
2: uh, water polo match during the 1956 Olympics, which was exceptionally violent. The reason why.
0: everyone had spikes in their flippers. They added
2: sharks to the pool.
0: (laughs) That would be awesome. Sharks and alligators. Alligator-shark hybrids. No,
2: in 1956, there was a pretty uh, important world event that happened. Uh, The Russian army moved into Hungary and crushed their government and took over.
0: Okay. Uh, uh, (laughs) And they took it personal.
2: And the Hungarian water polo team and the Russian water polo team- snap. Met mere days after Soviet tanks rolled through Hungary and crushed the Hungarian Revolution. Wow, That's interesting that they would still have that game.
0: Yeah. But fair's fair. Well,
2: I mean, they had been, they rightfully got matched up. I mean, the game was scheduled. Don't get political, (laughs) The show must go on. So this was in, actually, the semi-finals. So whoever won this game was going to the gold medal match. Oh, Jesus. The (laughs) stakes are high. Very, very very high on all fronts. Tension, as you can imagine, between the countries could be seen as the players punched and kicked each other, (laughs) effectively bloodying the water in the process. (laughs) So we'll put these photos up on the website at causticsodapodcast.com, and you can see this grievous gash that he has over his head. But the Hungarians ended up winning the match and going on to win the gold medal game. Good for them. So they, uh, they lost... In your face, Russia. Yeah, they lost their freedom... Gained their Olympic gold <laughs> Good
1: Yeah Sorry you don't have the freedom To do what you like anymore But here's a trophy Yeah Silver lining
2: This is a glass half full This is a water polo tank Half full of blood Are By there fair, any world
0: a, problems That sports can't fix? That is a gold lining
3: One You may talk about your colleges Fair Harvard and old Yale And all the universities Whose banners brave the gale And all the football heroes Their glory and renown I never went to college But I know I've been to town I may not be a football hero But I'm a star with the beautiful girl You never see me In the thick of a fight Cause I do my scoring mostly at night I never tackle any dummies I've played the best from near and far No, I ain't, no, I'm not a football hero But I'm a bear in a lady's boudoir They play football on the gridiron Where the ground is rough and hard I do my playing on a divan the ladies all say I'm a triple threat man I never have to call for time out For I'm always up to par Oh, I ain't, no, I'm not a football hero But I'm a bear in a lady's boudoir I never fought for Alma Mater Because she never fought for me The boys win a letter for not playing rough I should get an alphabet for doing my stuff I'm pretty good at center rushing That's the place I really start Oh, I may not be, I'm not a football hero But I'm a dog in a lady's boudoir One time I swung into action I was rewarded with wild acclaim The captain said to me, you're just a little runt as long as you've been playing, you've never touched a punt. When I removed my interference, the goal was not so very far. Oh, I ain't, I'm not, I'm not a football hero. But I'm a little lady in a little lady's boudoir.
0: In the 20th century, yeah. I got something from 1931. Abby Goldberry okay Abby
1: Goldberg, there's no way that's somebody involved in sports I was about to say that doesn't sound like an athlete this is gonna sound very racist but which team does he own (laughs) oh snap that does sound very racist that is racist I'm sorry that was just for the joke effect (laughs) I don't mean it all the racists are laughing uproariously (laughs) right now I know and fuck them (laughs) let me just say that he was a goaltender for a
0: junior team in Quebec oh okay hockey All right, ice hockey for our uh, American fans 1931, he was hit by a puck that ignited a pack of matches in his pocket. What? <laughs> setting his uniform on fire what that is pretty awesome you know
1: i would guess that you don't worry too much about flame retardant capabilities in something that you wear on ice well especially because when you actually see hockey players come off the ice
2: they're always drenched in sweat yeah. you think at the very <laughs> least he would have drenched his matches in sweat i mean guess he was a goaltender so he wasn't yeah, necessarily yeah, skating yeah. around well yeah.
1: but they sweat like a lot
2: but like, why does he have matches in his pocket in the first place hey, For, it's
0: 1931 you got to take oh, a yeah. smoke,
1: <laughs> smoke you gotta... break in between periods Dude, right there on the ice, right? That's the reason they didn't wear face masks, so you could smoke <laughs> while you're playing goal. Oh, yeah, and he got, like, totally fired up when somebody
0: fired up. Uh, his teammates managed to put the fire out, but not before he was badly burned. Oh, wow. right. Yeah. Well, wow. yeah, he kind of earned that one on his own, though.
1: I Well, uh, who's to—come on. Take the matches out
2: of your pocket before you go out on the ice to play a well, game. Well, now
0: they will. Now that's in the rule book. <laughs> it's not in the rule book. Oh, but
2: I, did, really? I, don't, I, I think that people just wouldn't out of... I think he's the Do only one. Do they even guy. have
1: pockets in hockey uniforms?
0: No. Mm, I guess not. No. no. Not anymore because mm. of Abby Goldberry. No, no
1: pockets allowed. <laughs> now he keeps right. them in his glove.
0: <laughs> Which is where the puck he's, always yeah, is hitting. If he's a good bowler, yeah. goalie.
1: <laughs> this goalie's on Fire!
2: That's where the term came from. That's right.
0: Thank you, Abby Goldberry.
2: Yeah, at first they thought he was dancing around, like just like ah, ah, ah like this is like he's stopping everything. This is unbelievable. This is the best he's ever played. <laughs> it was just random. That's what made the
0: burn so bad.
1: And it's it was, oh, they yeah. couldn't put the they couldn't put the fire out very easily because all the water they had was frozen. Yeah, <laughs> It's before Gatorade did the old bottle bottle on top of the.
0: No, they didn't want to put the fire up because he was doing <laughs> but such was a doing great job. So great. Yeah, and then in 1976 in the field of baseball oh okay all right get it Mm -hmm. i do uh steve yeager while standing in the on deck circle a piece of teammate bill russell's shattered bat hit yeager in the throat piercing his esophagus steve yeager being the catcher
1: oh yeah but he was he was waiting to go up to bat says he was on deck yeah it means he's yeah Okay. He he was waiting to go up to bat. Torrin doesn't play sports.
0: (laughs) I sure don't. It took over an hour and a half of surgery for doctors to remove the nine pieces of wood lodged in Jaeger's throat. Wow. That got some velocity on it. That came
2: flying out of the... uh...
1: Well, you can think... Right, like you place the the on-deck is kind of off behind the batter, and then the batter takes the shot, and you can totally imagine that swing and the hit and the shatter of the bat, and just bits can go flying. Like there's a certain angle where that bat is pointing right at the on-deck guy. But enough velocity to pierce his throat. That's pretty impressive. Yeah,
0: yep. Like that is impressive. To protect Jaeger's neck when he returned from his injury, Dodger trainer Bill Bueller, Bueller. Bueller. Bueller invented a throat protector that hung from Jaeger's mask. Pretty soon, most of the other major league catchers followed suit, adopting the Steve Jaeger-inspired throat protector.
2: Oh, there okay. Yeah, yeah I mean go. they all—they all do have that like kind of floppy bit, right? They in the do. Front.
1: But it said he was on deck, though. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah but, sorry, but, uh, but I guess but when after, he's, yeah. yeah
0: yeah once sh- sharded twice shy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: I think sharded is a different thing in title. Oh, sharded with the D. Sh- no, sharded. sharded.
1: We're sharded. Canadians. You can't tell the difference between sharded and charted yeah, when exactly. we say it. It's like writing somebody a letter. You might as well spell it L-E-D-D-E-R if you're Canadian.
2: I have uh, a boxing story from nineteen eighty-two. Okay. Duck Koo Kim, a Korean national, had risen all the way to number one lightweight contender and earned a world title shot against the famed Ray Boom Boom Mancini in nineteen eighty-two. The bout was extremely brutal, especially for Kim. And in the early part of the 14th round, did even go 14 rounds? It's crazy. The yeah, boxing used, used to, to
1: go until somebody won. Remember oh. from our fisticuffs episode? Yeah, but not in
2: 1982. They'd already put limits on oh, it. I, I don't know. But Mancini hit Kim with a crushing right hand that caused him to fall and hit his head on the canvas. Kim managed to rise, but the referee stopped the fight. And it, it, the, the crazy part about this footage is it doesn't really look like anything. Like it looks like he gets knocked down by a pretty innocent punch. So he's, he's sort of uneasy on his feet and they call the fight. Uh, but minutes later, after the fight was over, Duck Kim collapsed and went into a coma, was carried out of the ring and taken directly to the hospital. And the Korean sports star died four days later from brain trauma. Mm-hmm. Since in the last couple hundred years, 1300 people have died in the ring or died from complications of things that happened in the ring. This looked like relatively innocent enough. The interesting part about this, the, the part that makes it caustic, Is sort of what happened after this was all over. Okay. Duck Koo Kim's mother committed suicide three months after her son's death. She did it by drinking a bottle of pesticide. Oh, no. That is the most distasteful. She really loved her son. (laughs) Or pesticide. (laughs) How's that? And the boat's referee, Richard Green, who had the very unfortunate early 80s haircut with the male pattern balding. Yeah. But he liked it long on the sides. Okay. So uh, it was not a good look. Yeah. Uh, Richard Green, consumed by guilt about not calling the fight earlier, also committed suicide Jesus. shortly after the fight. Jesus. A legacy. Yeah. So two suicides were spawned of this uh, brain trauma death as a result. No oh, boxing. Yeah. So-
0: uh, I've got something in 1983, Billy Collins Jr., the boxer. Uh, this is the Collins Jr. Resto fight. Yes. Uh, 1983 welterweight boxer Louis or Louis Resto unexpectedly beat undefeated prospect Billy Collins Jr. at Madison Square Garden in New York City in a 10-round unanimous decision. Collins' eyes were swollen shut by the end of the 10th round. He suffered a torn iris and permanently blurred vision. Ending his career. Months later, he got drunk and crashed his car and died. Some speculate it was a suicide. Now, do you know why he was beaten so badly? Yes, I do.
2: <laughs> when maybe, maybe Joe can guess why he got beaten so badly.
1: Uh the other guy was uh, he was jealous of his girlfriend? Well, that may be true, but uh he the other the other fighter, let's say.
2: Had a competitive advantage.
0: Yes. Uh, When Colin's father and trainer, Billy Sr., came to shake Resto's hand, he discovered that Resto's gloves felt thinner than normal. Resto's trainer, Panama Lewis, had removed the padding from Resto's gloves. Uh Uh-huh. The commission suspended Resto's boxing license for at least a year. The commission subsequently changed its rules to prevent anything like that happening again. Uh, Resto's win was subsequently changed to a no contest. In 1986, Lewis and Resto were both put on trial and found guilty of assault. Criminal possession of a weapon, Resto's hands, and conspiracy, Resto served two and a half years in prison. For almost a quarter century, Resto publicly denied knowing that Lewis had tampered with the gloves. However, in 2007, Resto apologized to Colin's widow and told her that in addition to removing padding from the gloves, yeah. Lewis soaked his hand wraps in plaster of Paris.
1: Oh, my God. This
0: caused the wraps to harden into plaster casts similar to those used to set broken bones, which right. greatly and illegally increased Resto's it, punching he power. He basically
2: wow. held bricks and, bricks around his hand yeah. yeah, and hit the guy in the face for 10 rounds. Yeah, for
0: 10 rounds. And permanently, partially blinded him. Wow
2: brutal like how badly do you want to win and frankly i don't think this guy spent enough time in jail two and a half years doesn't sound like yeah. enough time
0: that's kind of a how it goes in sports though sports injury is you know if, if you hit kill or hurt someone in a sports
2: Related, arena or whatever yeah
0: you're gonna get way less time than you would if you just came up to someone on the street Absolutely. and assaulted them
2: yeah i mean there was a hockey game in italy that i remember hearing about like in one of the minor 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 leagues where a, somebody got hit in the chest with a slap shot, and it forced them to go into cardiac arrest, and they died right there on the ice. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and and they thought very briefly about putting him on trial for man for involuntary manslaughter, right? Because technically, you you did something that accidentally killed somebody. Yeah, uh, but they end
0: up not not pressing charges mm-hmm. because it happened yeah. in the course of a game. Right? Yeah, well, well, that it's it's is not different, different like he than aimed at a guy. Yeah.
1: you know, or it's not like he did anything wrong. Yeah,
0: in this case, you know, this guy clearly cheated. Oh yes, right. there was cheating involved. <laughs>
1: But I guess the reason it's it's lower is because there's already some expected inherent danger, right? Yes.
2: So that you go in there it's now kind of granted, a contract between the two players. Right. right.
1: But granted, he did increase that danger unreasonably. Yeah. So to but to punish him, they they can only get him for that increased danger, not the base right. amount of yeah. agreed upon danger. Yeah.
2: So it kind of makes sense. I mean, I guess in the American system so much so and we saw it in the OJ trial, OJ Simpson trial, but it's like I'm sure that um, Collins family could sue Resto and his trainer right. for a- everything yeah. they've got. Like they yeah. probably, you know, they're indebted to them. They they have a, a they have a civil judgment against them for whatever, right? Yep. For future earnings and ending his career and all the rest of that stuff. So it's a, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure that that's the way they figure the justice. It done all it.
0: balances out yeah, in the end. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, now here's a question. I mean, uh, Torn doesn't generally watch football. I'm guessing. Uh, and Joe, have you seen the Joe Thysman injury?
1: A long, long time ago. See, it's the, been a while. Was it the to reason, his thigh? The reason is that, that how I, he got his name?
2: <laughs> the reason that I, I thought, but put this one on the list, isn't because the injury is more grievous or more caustic than anything else, because it's so famous. Okay. Like, it is really kind of in the pop culture pantheon of the NFL football. Everybody mm. knows. So uh, Joe Theismann was the quarterback for the Washington Redskins. Now, and- what's a quarterback? No, <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> he's, a, he's the guy who flips the quarter at the beginning to okay. see who gets on what side of the field. He
0: has to go from one end of the, uh, of the field to the other with a quarter <laughs> balanced on his back. Yes. And all the other players are trying to knock it off. No, on the tip of his nose. On the okay. tip of his nose. Uh,
2: and uh, uh, they were playing against the uh, New York Giants and their all-star uh, defensive back was Lawrence Taylor, colloquially known as LT. Okay. One of the most dangerous tacklers. He, like, was injuring people left, right, and center. He was a devastating hitter. Just because so, he's so skilled? Yeah, because he's fast and mean and okay. tough and impossible to stop, right? All right. So let's, let's uh, watch like the video. He's like the rhino. This is this is the interesting part. Lawrence Taylor actually sees what happened and he, he starts gesturing for the emergency crews to come over and attend to him. Here we go crunch. So, it, but one of the things that people remember about this, of course, is the leg that you saw
0: in that reverse and the angle. horrifying but, sound. But
2: the fact that you saw Lawrence Taylor's reaction instantaneous oh, yeah. to seeing what had happened, it wasn't the like,
0: field. Oh, oh, yeah, I totally broke that guy's leg. <laughs> no, yeah. um, no, he was the
2: first guy on his feet beckoning for the, the yeah. uh, yes, because his ear tendons. was probably
0: the closest to the horrible <laughs> cracking sound.
2: Yeah, so this. This is like there are a million injuries like this that happen in professional sports all the time, but <laughs> this is one of the seminal ones that everybody. When you yeah, refer yeah, yeah. to it, yeah. people look at you and go, and they cringe. And they, like everybody in my generation who watched football at the time, yeah. who saw this like yeah. as it happened, yeah, we're all uh, we all feel although feel Joe as pain.
1: bad as it is, it's still not as bad as that wrestling one that uh, that Mike sent us to the uh, Sid Vicious breaking his leg. Well, now, does when professional, he jumps from the top Does rope, professional wrestling count as a sport? It's pretty close. I mean, okay. it's sport-like, sports entertainment. Okay, all right. And which sports one is entertainment? this? sports Uh This is Sid Vicious jumping off. It's not even the top rope. Like, he's only on the uh, third, second rope or something. And he jumps down and just kind of lands on one of his legs. And as he lands on basically a trampoline, because <laughs> yeah. that's what these are, yeah. his leg just goes snap right in front of everybody. You can see that, oh, it's just <laughs> hanging there. Oh. I think it snaps in two places, actually. I think it snaps in a couple of places. And his foot is just hanging limply <laughs> his inside leg, this boot. His leg became a lightning bolt. And
2: then
0: he became the spokesperson for milk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, this is an example of the human body not being able to handle the demands on it that extreme sports put on them, right?
1: So this is, we, there's not much to say about this, but we're going to link this video. Oh, boy.
0: Because oh, yeah. you clastic listeners enjoy watching horrible, horrible things. In 1989, in the
2: National Hockey League, there was a game between the uh, Buffalo Sabers and the St. Louis Blues, and uh, a forward named Steve Tuttle was driving to the net, and he was being um, basically tackled mm. by the by the defenseman. Uh, Clint Malarchuk was the goaltender mm-hmm. who was in the goal time, just uh, you know, trying to keep the puck out of the net, and there was a big collision right in the uh, in the goal crease. Let's watch that video. So it looks, again, looks like an innocent collision. And oh, then and then suddenly
0: over. the ice is totally black with a pool of blood.
1: Yeah, this is brutal.
0: So I got the yeah, it looks skate like, again, connected with uh, this, his neck at some point. Uh, what happened is. Oh, it's just spurting. Oh, mm-hmm. God. The uh, the skate uh, hit him in
2: the in the artery in his neck. Blood spurting out like something out of a horror movie. Uh, and a quote from Larchuk is I thought I was dying Then I really did. I thought I didn't have long to live and all I wanted to do was get off the ice. My mother was probably watching the game on TV and I didn't want her to see me die. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's a chilling image it's, to watch. Yeah. And it, again, it looks like a relatively innocent sort of collision. Yeah. And then you don't think anything would have happened and he rolls over and the blood just instantly starts to pour out.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, Oops and don't, don't, yeah, the don't trainer, slip. Yeah, The trainer slides in, you know well, he's the, on
0: ice. <laughs> comically slip on the uh, uh, and then makes that book 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 Sound like in the Flintstones. Uh, many in the
2: Buffalo Arena were physically sickened mm-hmm. by the sight as they watched it live. I can imagine. Oh my uh,
1: god! Did it start a barfarama? There's a there's a there's a record
2: of seven people fainting, <laughs> nice. while two suffered heart attacks during the incident. Holy shit! Wow. There I didn't were two know that. people in the crowd that had heart attacks as a result of the incident. Ooh. I can imagine. Yeah, it's like shocking. It It is. is. I mean, it's shocking to watch it on, like, really grainy video from, like, a highlight reel. Like, imagine seeing it live, like, if you were up close and personal, like, in the front row or something like that.
0: That would be bonkers.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, in the dressing room and on his way to the hospital, doctor spent 90 minutes and used over 300 stitches to close the wound.
2: (sighs) And he continued to play in the National Hockey League. He actually had a, a you know a career. And then in 2008,
0: he accidentally shot himself in the chin with a 22 caliber rifle. Oh, that I did not know. <laughs> when paramedics arrived to assist the bleeding Malerchuk, the goalie initially refused treatment. <laughs> you know why? Because he's like, be this is
2: nothing. <laughs> I'm a hockey player. Yeah. I, I had my throat slit. I could take a bullet
0: to the chin. 1989, Dave Dravecki, This is a baseball story. In nineteen eighty nine, after having a cancerous tumor and half of his deltoid muscle removed from his left throwing arm, Dave Dravecchi made a triumphant return to baseball. Yeah, he was like the feel-good story of the year. Yeah. In August nineteen eighty nine, Dravecki returned to Candlestick Park in San Francisco and won his first start, a four to three decision over the Cincinnati Reds. Woohoo! End of story. Oh is it? Oh no. <laughs> a week later. Dravecki's arm snapped in half while throwing a pitch in Montreal. The cancer had returned and doctors were forced to amputate the full arm.
1: Oh, God. Oh, God. That looks like I can't even see anything painful, yeah. but just his reaction makes me go... <sighs> There's a reverse angle, yeah. too. There's a reverse
2: angle that they're going to show here in a second.
0: Uh, yeah, a week later, Dravecki's arm snapped in half while throwing a pitch in Montreal. The cancer had returned and doctors were forced to amputate the full arm. In the years since his retirement, Dravecki has become a Christian motivational speaker, having realized that God's plan for him was much greater than the game of baseball. Well, the, interesting,
2: the interesting part about this story is that there's sort of like in the second game of his comeback, there were sort of kind of signs that maybe he, his pitching arm was a little bit off. Right. Because uh, he actually started the sixth inning a little shaky, allowing a home run to the leadoff batter and then actually hitting the second batter unintentionally, putting him on base. So in his on his first pitch to the third batter, his humorous bone snapped. Yeah. So his uh, he did not that have is the control. humorous. On December twenty seventh, nineteen eighty, Mark Howe, the son of legendary hockey player Gordy Howe, I've heard of him. Yeah, was involved in one of the more memorable injuries in NHL history. The way goalposts in the early, late seventies, early eighties were was they had spikes. It, well, in the old times, they were like literally pinned to the ice. Okay. So if guys would run into them, it was impossible for, they were frozen right to right. the ice. sure. Yeah. So if you ran into them, you'd It was get, like a fence post. It, it just like a went fence post. Straight down. Gotcha. And you would get grievously injured. So the innovation they came up with- Magnets? No, no. They, they tried that for a little while, but they, they wouldn't hold on. They slid off too easily. Okay. So what they came More up with was More powerful kind of, magnets? <laughs> I wish electromagnets. Yeah, they might have made skating hard. Skating uh, past them a little more. Then they have to
0: make the skates out of rubber. Yeah, <laughs> it becomes a whole new exciting game. But, but that game. makes
1: the game much safer for goalies. Yeah, <laughs> because you get you get the skate in the throat and all I'm that. Write is a your letter gets crushed. Yeah.
2: So what they ended up doing, they, what the compromise solution they came up with, was that they had these little short posts that were like two or three inches long that they were embedded in the ice. Oh, okay, and the goal itself. Would, if you hit it hard enough, it would come off would pop of the little off of post that. and it would slide off. So you
0: still have like three inches or so of a, pole stuck pole in the ice? Stuck in oh, the ice. that sounds juicy. So Mark
2: Howe was taken out, it was taken into the net uh, backwards and the net popped off. Yeah. And he came down on the post. Uh, in one report I read, he was impaled through the upper thigh. <laughs> okay. Uh, but in another report, I read that he was spiked through the anus. And My
0: anus is bleeding.
2: <laughs> and he almost bled out right there on the ice. Oh, God. Uh, and uh, they... Exsanguinated, to use the medical term? That would be the perfect term to describe what happened to Mark Howe, playing for the Hartford Whalers. But, but then This got... injury nearly ended his career and prompted the NHL to change the design of net so they would no longer be in that position. He lost over 35 pounds, and his stamina uh, suffered. In blood? No, uh, <laughs> He had to go on a liquid diet to avoid intestinal infections. And then, you know, over the course of the rest of the season, he lost 35 pounds. Oh, God. Yeah. I do not wish that injury on my worst enemy. Who is
0: your worst enemy, by the way? Torrin. Yeah. well, I'm glad you don't wish that on me then.
2: (laughs) Maybe I'll wish the next one on you. What's that? I got Mike Tyson bites off Vander Holyfield's
0: ear. You would wish that on me.
2: Yeah. Okay. I would wish that one on you. I'd wish Mike... Mike just Tyson. because you want to
0: meet Mike Tyson. And because <laughs> yeah. it would be hilarious. We can do it on the podcast and boost our ratings.
2: I actually watched this fight live. I saw it on pay-per-view. I was watching it with a good friend of mine, Mark, and we were watching the fights and just kind of chit-chatting between things. And Mark, they got in a clinch, right? In, in boxing, you get up really up close and personal and you kind of like try and show... You try and throw short punches. Like that was Mike yep. Tyson's game. Okay. But he'd been losing to Evander Holyfield all the way up to this point
0: in time. Well, in he won't stand for that. And he'd been frustrated. Yes. So they got
2: in a clinch and my buddy Mark said, I I think Tyson just tried to bite Evander Holyfield's ear. And I went, no, no, he didn't try and bite him. Are you kidding me? He's like, You'd no. have to be crazy yeah, to seriously. do something like and that. And so he kept, Holyfield kind of said something to the ref and the ref told him to keep fighting. So they went back into a clinch and, and. Mike Tyson, because now I was watching for it, and you see him, like, literally, we watched him open his mouth and clamp down on Holyfield's ear, and he bit the top half of his ear off. (laughs) Well, he just wanted to hear better out of his mouth. (laughs) So, uh, I I actually had the experience of watching it live, so it was uh,
0: particularly gruesome and interesting, of course. Lucky for you. 1996, David Bust, and he sure did. (laughs) Oh, really? Uh, This is Rugby. Playing for Coventry against Manchester United, two minutes into the match, bust collided with United players Dennis Irwin and Brian McClare, resulting in extensive compound fractures to both the tibia and fibula of his right leg. The match had to be delayed for 12 minutes while blood was cleaned off the grass. Manchester's goalkeeper vomited on the pitch upon seeing the injury and had to have counseling afterwards along with a number of other players. Counseling? The injury is often cited as one of the worst in the history of soccer. Ooh. Bust's injuries were so bad that at one point he ran the risk of having his leg amputated. While in hospital, Bust contracted staphylococcus, oh. which oh. caused further damage to the tissue and muscle in the injured part of his leg. This is insult to injuries yeah, what des- this is. Despite having 26 operations, what? Bust remained a member of the official Coventry squad for a further seven months, but never played again and retired from the game following advice from his doctors. I would imagine so was not the break that ended his career, but the infections he suffered afterwards. Oh, you can watch these sort of like injury videos all day on. Oh, yeah. There's best of compilations on Uh, YouTube that I couldn't sit through.
2: I have a, um, in 2007, French long jumper Salim Sidri was minding his own business in Olympic Stadium in Rome in July 2007 when Finland's Taro Pitkamaki threw a stray javelin and impaled him. (laughs) I remember this. Unbelievably, he was released from hospital the very next day. Being hit by javelins is incredibly not as uncommon as you might think. Czech decathlete Roman Seberle was hit in the shoulder earlier in the same year and was told by doctors that he was 20 centimeters from death.
0: I'm always 20 centimeters from death.
2: Yeah. There's video of this. The video isn't like nearly, you know, it's not as grievous as like Joe Theismann injury or anything like that. You just see, but you see the javelin clearly impale this poor bystander. But then again, by the same token, when you're even near the field where the javelins are being thrown, you think you might keep your eye to the sky, right? (laughs) But they're like
1: little thin sticks in
2: the sky. They're moving very fast. It probably takes very little vigilance to keep from getting hit by a javelin. That's the only way to find out. That's yeah.
1: right. We're gonna have to get you on the field when some javelins are being thrown. We're gonna see.
2: I tell you, I will keep my eye out for flying javelins. Where I, you're be, not gonna
0: be just be sidelines. sitting on the bench tying okay. your shoelaces. Yeah. Our
1: next like... follow up episode, we're gonna do it in the field. We're gonna <laughs> you and I, Torn, are gonna bring some javelins and we're gonna put <laughs> right. him down at the end and we're gonna throw them at him. We're gonna well, see how good he can do it. We're we'll me... gonna see
0: how good I can throw a javelin. Well, we'll is what we're gonna see. That too. <laughs> we'll put me at Olympic distance.
2: So you know, then uh, we'll see how like, I can do it.
1: <laughs> Torrin and I will go MythBusters and invent a javelin throwing device to overcome this limitation you've given us.
2: I got another story that we all probably heard the news as it happened because it happened in Vancouver during the 2010 Olympics. What's that? There was uh, the state of Georgia, the former uh, Russian republic. Oh yes, there was a loser, the one who, down by Antarctica. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a loser. I'm uh, not a very experienced loser. I uh, I understand, but yeah, um, he uh, he took one of the turns a little too fast. And Lost Control, I have video. Mm. This is very graphic, so uh, I oh, warn, nice. I warn everybody ahead of time, uh, as you're about to watch this video, that uh, this one doesn't pull any punches.
0: He's going very, very fast. Whoa! Oh, no!
2: And that is a man dying.
0: Yeah, I can imagine.
2: Uh, yeah, he came off the track at like probably a hundred kilometers an hour and or something. And then hit one of
0: those uh, and, uh, metal or uh, and concrete posts.
2: Concrete, con- I think it's a metal beam that he uh, he went into head first and died instantly. Pop culture? The greatest sports movie of all time, in this guy's humble opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. Raging Bull? Raging Bull. Yeah, I make no bones about it. I've probably said it many times in the course of the podcast. And uh, my favorite scene has to directly to do with sports injury. It's about the middle of the movie. De Niro's kind of, you know, really gone past the, you know, hungry for it all. And it's the scene where he's fat and he's got to get down to weight to like collect the purse. And he's sitting there at home and, and, uh, and his wife mentions that the guy he's about to fight is a really good looking kid. Okay. Right. And so De Niro flies off into a rage and accuses her of being unfaithful and like, you know, calling her a whore and the whole nine yards. So he goes away to train so he can get down to weight and he makes it, but he goes into the ring And he beats the living tar out of this kid, Gennaro. And in fact, Gennaro's about to collapse and he keeps holding him up against the rope so he can keep punching him in the face. (laughs) And uh, finally, he lets Gennaro collapse and he's knocked out. And uh, uh, as he's leaving the ring, he turns uh, to his wife and says, the kid ain't pretty no more. Yeah. And uh, that's what a raging bull that guy is. he, He raged. He raged, he raged. So that that is a, a grievous sports injury and one of my favorite
1: movies. And kind of a, an homage to that in Fight Club as well. Oh, absolutely. When he goes up with Pretty Boy and really beats the crap out of him. Not out of jealousy. He just wanted to do... Well, almost, actually out of jealousy. Yeah. Because... Uh, did he have a name? I just call him Pretty Boy. I can't remember what his Angel name Angel Face. Angel Face. I'm sorry. That's yeah. what his name was. He... Uh, the narrator thinks Tyler is... Out with him too much yeah
2: it was very homoerotic too yeah the kind of like the, the three ring the the like love triangle between the narrator Tyler and Angel Face mm-hmm. and so yeah there's kind of there was a jealousy sort of love triangle thing going on and so he just in, he, in the movie he says
1: I just wanted to destroy something beautiful. beautiful
2: that's
0: right I want to go back to made up fantasy sports all right okay name one Jugger
1: <laughs> yes the blood of heroes or known uh, outside of North America as Salute of the Jugger.
0: Yeah. What is this? Is, that, is the game actually called Jugger? Or he's It's a just position. called The Game. Okay. Jugger
1: is what the players of the game are called. Okay. Okay, so this is a, set in a post-Holocaust world. Where I didn't realize we were off movies yet. This is a movie. Oh, okay. I thought you said it was a game. No, the game that they're playing in the movie Oh, okay, is called The Game. Okay. It stars Rutger Hauer, the movie. It's called Blood of Heroes or Salute of the Jugger, depending on where in the world you are. Uh-huh. Uh, you can find it on all sorts of file sharing sites, of course. And it's a post-Holocaust world where it's basically like uh, the Road Warrior, but with less cars. Yeah. And there's all these people wearing grubby clothes and s- scratching at a living on the surface, but there are these uh, cities that live kind of underground okay. that seem to still have technology in some kind of way of sustaining themselves. Yeah. And they run this sport just called the game where the object of it is, it's instead of a ball, it's played with a dog skull. Okay. Which starts off in the middle of this open field, which underground is a big open concrete floor. Yeah. And your team is supposed to try to get it onto a stake at the other end of the field, and the other team is going to get it on your stake at your end of the field. So not unlike Royal tide football. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> Except there are different types of players with different types of weapons. Ah. So you've got uh, the runner, who's the main person whose job it is to get the, the dog skull and ah. then run it to the other end. You've got uh, guys with basically uh, it's got a big... Quarter staff with a big beat stick on one end and a kind of hooked thing on the other side to hit people with and hook their legs to pull them down. Okay, You've got another guy played by Vincent D'Onofrio, a young, good-looking oh. Vincent D'Onofrio, who has this odd uh, chain device with kind of hooks and weights at the end that's kind of, when it splays out, is a V-shape, like, a, like an arc of chain, okay. and he spins it around over his head, and he tends to protect the runner once they've got it. He spins it around, and they're underneath it so nobody can get at them and they try to push it forward. And it's actually this, it's a super low budget film and you'd right. think it would be kind of bad. It's great. It really? is a really excellent sports film okay. set in a post Holocaust world. All right. And
0: as I recall, there are only sports injuries. In yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah Rutgers Hauer's character loses his eye uh, oh, nice. pretty badly. Ends up, uh, Covering it up with just a, a bunch of fabric. And, and his coach says, try to move your head around a lot. Like, so, yeah. that he, <laughs> so he can see out of his one other eye. Yeah. yeah. Dog boy gets his leg broken pretty badly. Uh, early on in the film all sorts of horrible horrible injuries so what they do this just to distract
2: themselves or is there a goal like if they win they get more food or they get women or something like that if you get
1: so what it is is they start off as kind of an independent team that Rutger Hauer is trying to build to try to get the attention of the league the league being the teams that play in these rich cities so they're just up on we're going from shitty village to shitty village playing against the village's little teams and if they get enough dog skulls when you win you get to keep the dog skull Right. You can then go to one of the cities, show them all your dog skulls, present your players and say, we want to play against one of your teams to get the attention of the league.
0: And hopefully you haven't just found a pack of dogs and killed them all <laughs> and <stripped laughs> their flesh off their skulls.
1: I would guess that each one has like a symbol from the village that you played in. you has got a code some, on yeah. it or something. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but this is probably part of what they inspect them for. Right. Oh, I don't, I don't know what it honor is. Honor amongst dog skulls. Yeah. Right. And then you get to play against like one of the teams and usually you play against like just the new people on these teams Yeah, and you find out just how horribly most people do you don't win when you try to get the attention of the league you're just not that good
2: well here's definitely a movie that has a grievous sports injury in it well not so grievous but sports injury in it that we've all seen karate kid
1: yeah
0: what happens in karate kid who gets hurt the karate kid
2: does kid the title character hurt by whom by Cobra Khan. They like hit him in the legs. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai, right? He, that's why he's got to uh, he's he's got to do the crane because one leg is totally injured. Uh,
1: oh. Totally injured. He does that crane stance where he lifts his broken leg up. Yeah. Yeah, the guy keeps going after his leg, remember? That's right. And he doesn't know if he should. And then the Cobra Kai leader gives him that look and the little <laughs> fist and the nod.
0: <laughs> Seems like a nasty thing to do.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a very nice thing. They are the baddies. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You could tell they were all wearing black. black.
0: <laughs> oh, I see. Anybody else seen Ben
2: Hur? That classic,
0: Not all the way through.
2: There's a chariot race in there that's pretty outstanding. Referring back to the very beginning of the episode, I was talking about the Greek and Roman. Who gets races. gruesomely injured? Uh, a couple of people. A couple of people. There's uh, there's definitely uh, there's some trampling. There's oh, some, nice. Uh, some dragging. There's some dragging and trampling.
0: Does anyone try to cut their ropes oh, while they're being? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, nice.
2: And they succeed and then get run over. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And okay. then there's the one that doesn't succeed and he keeps getting dragged and then the other chariot comes up and tramples him while he's being dragged behind his chariot. <laughs> that is brutal. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's – they're shooting this movie in 1959. There's mm-hmm. no visual effects or CGI. Like all of these stunts are being done by stuntmen, right? Right. And it is really impressive. I mean,
0: I, I don't know mm-hmm. how anybody – They don't
2: just mat the horse in? Yeah. I don't know how – Over top of a guy flailing on the <laughs> sand? I don't know how it's possible – for somebody to not get, have been killed in the shooting <laughs> the of this sequence. It's so brutal. I, I almost recommend watching
0: Ben-Hur just for the chariot scene. It's really, really good. Do they have a little disclaimer at the end? No horses or stuntmen or <laughs> bystanders were harmed in the making of this They're film? probably
2: legally proscribed from doing it because there were probably a bunch of people that died in, yeah. the, in uh, the making of it. As a
1: matter of fact, there is a uh, a false rumor that Snopes deals with about Ben-Hur, which is the the rumor is a stuntman died during the filming of the chariot race, but that's false.
0: What was uh, your team in the fantasy sports game Blood Bowl? Uh,
1: I had several I had the Halloween Town Haunters, which was (laughs) my Nightmare Before Christmas themed Undead team. Oh, I like that. I also had Ariox Assassins, which was my Dark Elf team. A uh, right. little, little yeah. Elric uh, throw call out there for uh-huh. Arioch, the Lord of Chaos. Okay. Blood Bowl is a fantasy football game. And I don't mean that in what people mean uh, fantasy football these days, which is you make a team of your best players yeah. Yeah. from the actual NFL. It's just like it's Lord fantasy, of the Rings like fantasy. It's like of the Rings fantasy. Yeah, it's, so you kinda, make,
2: it's like Dungeons and Dragons kind
1: of. Yeah, it's Dungeons and Dragons if... The different races all made brutal football teams to right. play against each other with almost no rules. So is it like a strategy game or is it like a board yeah. game? Like, yeah, it's a board board strategy with game yeah. with miniatures that you can paint up and everything like that. There's also uh, a video game that you can get now that's quite good. It has a few bugs in it that are kind of driving me crazy, but is otherwise a, a yeah. pretty good game. Okay, and it's just really really fun because it's not only that you 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 get, make your team and play it, but your players gain experience and can start gaining skills and, and becoming better better, and better yeah but they can also get injuries mm-hmm. and ah. the injuries can lower their skills can lower their stats they can even die nice one of the great things about my undead team very hard for them to kill <laughs> because they're already dead <laughs> yeah so if that. they die i get to roll a d6 and unless i roll a one they're okay
2: Nice. Right, right. But their stats maybe can still go down like if they lose a limb. Yeah. Or something they can still like that. be
1: injured and, and like lose a, a movement point or something like yeah. that because yeah. of that. Absolutely, yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's clever.
1: I like that. Great, great fun game, awesome sense of humor, like g- gleefully violent sense of humor. Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I've got a poem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. This Constance. is the day that I thought would never come, and it's the day I said I would quit caustic soda if Kevin ever tried to end an episode with a poem. Alright, <clears throat> this is a, uh, a poem from Scotland
2: uh, which uh, talks basically sort of puts an exclamation point on the violence of early football games. Uh, it's written in the 16th century and it's called Beauties of Football. Oh, I, I can't do a Scottish accent. Maybe I can. Let me try it. Let Just me try do, it just a do
0: Shrek. That's all you need to do.
2: Bruised muscles and broken bones discordant strife and futile blows lamed in old age then crippled with all these are the beauties of football
0: It's
1: such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an
0: awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, Start to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling. An ominous feeling a feeling, you know that we'll be back when the week is. New, and we'll have more gross facts for you, and you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too
3: caustic soda was recorded by mike leeson while he was receiving maggot therapy to comment on episodes make a donation see show notes links and videos visit causticsodapodcast.com rate and review us on itunes visit us on facebook email us at
1: info at podcast.com. this is called the uh, social interaction this is what humans do I have no interest in your Earth customs. (laughs) I know. I'm quite aware of that.